right, are you ready for God's word? I am so excited to embark on a journey with you guys through God's word. I'm calling this series Messy. Can you say that with me? Messy. Being a Jesus community. So this is week one of a long, slow journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Why a long, slow journey? I think it would be wise of us to take a slow go at this because one of the things that I own as a pastor is I think sometimes we try to shove too much at you. And we're like, take all of this, be transformed, and the next week, take all of this, be transformed. And so we're going to go at this a little slower and let the Holy Spirit really take us on a journey that we might truly allow God's word to be pressed deep into our hearts, into our souls, to where transformation is a really natural response to God's word. So don't freak out. This is probably going to be our sermon series all the way till Advent. (laughs) Yes! So we're going to be going verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount, and I am pumped. The, The tagline that you're going to hear throughout this series is this. The way of Jesus is messy, but worth it. Would you say that out loud with me? The way of Jesus is messy, but worth it. You're going to hear me say that multiple times every week. And the hope is that as we journey with Jesus, being transformed into the way of Jesus, we will get used to things being messy. And that will just become our new norm. Amen? So before we go to God's word, I really just want to set up our conversation and our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Friends, I I think you'll agree with me on this. If ever our world needs a church that looks like Jesus, it's now. Let me say that again. If, If ever our world needs a church that looks like Jesus, it's now. And what do I mean by that? Let's be honest for a moment. The church has earned a a reputation. We've had some scars on our image. And when I say church, I mean the big church. All the churches. We've earned a reputation that maybe we're not trustworthy. That maybe this God that we speak about really isn't all that powerful because there isn't evidence in the pudding. You know what I'm saying? And so if ever our world needs to see a church really, really, really look like Jesus, it's now. And they are watching. The world is watching and waiting. So church, where else do we go than where Jesus taught us how to do just that? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is really laying out a way of life. And so that's where we're turning today. But church, let's be prepared. It's going to get messy. If we follow the way of Jesus, boy howdy, it's going to get messy. Get your muck boots on. We're going to go wading. 
You know, Jesus knew it was going to be messy. In fact, he warned his disciples. In John 16, 33, he said, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus is like, y'all, it's going to be hard. It's going to be messy, but don't worry. I'm right there in the mess with you. Amen? The apostles, those who literally followed the way of Jesus because they were literally living with Jesus, knew it was going to be messy. In fact, Paul in Galatians 6.9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Paul was like, y'all, it's going to be messy. You're going to get tired. You're going to want to give up. But let's not grow weary of following the way of Jesus. And so scripture warned us. And I have to ask, as we approach God's word, would Jesus teach us something that God would not equip us to see through? Absolutely not. Everything that Christ himself calls us to, by the power of the Spirit, he will equip us to do. Amen? And so we approach this word with that in mind. So this time in the Sermon on the Mount is really our opportunity to begin to make ourselves aware of what the way of Jesus is and how we follow it. So let me set the stage a bit. In the Sermon on the Mount, this is important to note, Jesus is teaching kingdom theology. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching kingdom theology. To use a hot-button word, you could possibly say Jesus is teaching kingdom politics. Because Jesus is showing the way and the order of the kingdom of God. He's laying out a new ethic. He's taking us deeper than the law. He's taking the way of Jesus from head to heart so that true transformation might take place. And a major theme that we're going to see on our journey is this concept of the kingdom of God, which is already here and also not yet here. So we're going to be unpacking that as we go. So Jesus is is giving us this new ethic to live by. I will warn you, Sermon on the Mount is a toe-stopper. So just, you know, wear your steel-toed boots when you come to church or pull them back a little ways. (laughs) And so my prayer is that God might give us tender and responsive hearts to his word. Amen? May I also share this? I'm setting this up, church, because I just want us to go to God's word humbly. You know what I'm saying? You should know my posture. When I preach, I feel like I'm sitting out there with you. Like, even though God is using me as the mouthpiece, I am being shaped and formed by the same word right along with you. My toes are getting stepped on right along with you. It's hurting me too. And so may I just express that we are in the journey together. Amen? 
And so as we turn to God's word, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, but let me tell you briefly what happened in Matthew chapter 4, because context is important. So in chapter 4, to summarize it, Jesus is announcing that God's kingdom is coming. And the Sermon of the Mount, which follows that announcement that the kingdom of God is coming, is all about what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes. And so through Jesus, Jesus is telling us what it looks like to follow him and live in God's kingdom in the here and now, when we're not in heaven yet. So with that, we're going to go into God's word. So as followers of Jesus, we reorient our lives to that which Christ himself teaches us. So if you're willing and able, would you stand in honor of reading God's word today? This is Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Hear the word of our Lord. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. The word of our Lord. You can be seated. The beginning of our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. As we go through this journey, parts of it are going to feel really slow, and other parts of it are going to feel like we're taking a bird's eye view of the text. These verses today, we're going to be taking a bird's eye view of what we've come to know as the Beatitudes. So let me just point this out, and then we will unpack it. Church, here's what I believe is happening in this moment. I think some shock factor is happening in the way in which Jesus laid out the Beatitudes. We think they're really pretty, but I think the apostles and disciples who are surrounding Jesus were probably like, because oh! here's what I think is happening. Jesus introduces the way of God's upside-down kingdom. 
here right at the beginning to kick off his most famous sermon. Jesus introduces the way of God's upside down kingdom. Now, why were they so shocked? So the the Greco-Roman culture, which just simply means Greeks and Romans, were rooted in advantageous hierarchical relationships. Their whole society was built around hierarchy and really clawing your way to the top. So Jesus comes in and he, he's presenting this upside-down kingdom where there are no privileged members. All are equal. And in fact, in God's kingdom, it's maybe even skewed in favor of the least of these. That is the upside-down kingdom. Now, this was radical, deeply radical, because it was shocking to their systems in which their culture was fueled and funded by privilege. And Jesus just steps right up there in that culture and says, "Uh uh-uh, not in my kingdom, not in my father's kingdom, That is not the way it works. In fact, in God's kingdom, everything that you live by is flipped on its head, right? The the first shall become last. And so Jesus is bringing in this idea of the upside-down kingdom. And so as we're taking this bird's-eye view of the Beatitudes, I want us to look at it in an overall view and let that trump individual beatitudes. Next week we might come back and tease them out a little bit, but today we're just looking at them overhead and saying, in this flopping of our kingdom expectations, what is Christ trying to teach us about the kingdom? So to to support us on this journey, I would really encourage you to get this book. It's called, What If Jesus Was Serious? by Sky Jatani, and listen, it's the best of all things. It's like a picture book and a book that you read, okay? Each chapter is like two and a half pages long, but I would love it if you would read this and go on this journey with us through the Sermon on the Mount. If you got your Friday email, we linked it, and we'll link it again this week, and it's in your sermon notes on the Bible app. But let me read a quote from this book. Sky Jatani, the author, said this of the Beatitudes. Jesus is not prescribing how to be blessed, but rather describing who is blessed. So, so Christ in this is, is noting that you're, you're not striving to become poor but that those who are poor are blessed because that's how God's kingdom works. He goes on to say this, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is not a to-do list, so breathe a sigh of relief. It is a good news list. Hear that again. Sermon on the Mount is not a, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is not a to-do list. It is a good news list. Jesus is describing who has the most to gain by the arrival of his kingdom. He is not prescribing what you must do to enter it. 
And so really, again, Jesus is taking their cultural paradigms and saying, everything that you think is going to get you somewhere means nothing in my Father's kingdom. And in fact, a blessed life is more tangible to those on the opposite end of that spectrum. In his book, Jesus and the Gospels, New Testament scholar Carl Blomberg said this, The composite portrait of a follower of Jesus is a stark inversion of what the Greco-Roman world considered admirable. To borrow a term from contemporary Hispanic culture, blessed are those who are not macho. So again, that concept of just flipping our understanding upside down of what the kingdom of God looks like. And so with that, we adjust the lenses through which we read the Beatitudes. So at the beginning of each stanza, it says God blesses, or blessed are those, or happy are those. That word there that in the New Living Translation is translated God blesses, is a Greek adjective, and it means blessed or fortunate. The longer definition is it's an adjective describing a person as experiencing positive circumstances or a happy disposition. Now, y'all, if your brain is thinking right now, you might be going, happy are those who mourn. Hold on to that uncomfortableness for a moment. It seems weird. So Jesus declares that the people who experience various kinds of difficulty or undesirable circumstances are in fact blessed by God. How does that make you feel? So let's make a list. When Jesus is saying, blessed are blank, Let's make a list. Who all is Jesus talking about? Those who are poor and recognize their need for God. Those people who have a heart posture that recognize that before God, we are void of everything. Without God, we have nothing. Those who mourn over loss, over sin, they're blessed. Those who are humble, gentle, meek, mild. Those who hunger and thirst for justice. Maybe that word stands out to you today. In some translations, it's the word righteousness is used. But in context, that word righteousness is all about right relationships in community, right relationship between us and God, right relationship between us and others in the church, right relationship between us and and others outside the church. Right relationship between the government and the people. Right relationship between families. Right relationship within communities. And so when we say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, we are fighting for healthy relationships in every sector of life. Blessed are those who are merciful, 
Those people that don't give to others what they think they deserve. That's a fun one. Those whose heart is pure. Those who work for peace. Being a peacemaker is an active word, not a passive word. We'll get to that later. Those who are persecuted for doing right, they're blessed. Those who people mock, persecute, and lie about. Isn't that what following the way of Jesus is? Jesus himself was cursed, persecuted, and mocked. So I don't know if they told you, but when you follow the way, we all signed up for it. Is this exciting? So there's the list. These people are blessed. And then Jesus makes some amazing claims. Let's list what Jesus said those blessed people will receive as a result. He said two times that they will receive the kingdom of heaven now and later. We'll get to that. They'll receive comfort. They will receive the whole earth. They will see God. They will receive mercy. They will be called the children of God. And they will see a reward in heaven. That's a great list. I want those things. So again, from this bird's eye view, let's list a few takeaways. As we look at this, this list that, that Jesus made before his disciples where they are all, <gasps> because it just takes their cultural understandings and turns it upside down. What can we learn from that? Well, I have three things, three kind of categories, for lack of a better word that I think Christ established here. The first is this. Those who live in constant recognition of their need for God are currently and will be blessed. Now, we're going to reckon with that blessed word in just a second, but for now, just receive it. <laughs> Those who live in constant recognition of their need for God are and will be blessed. What's the cultural contrast of that? Because you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. Need God every hour. But think, the contrast that Jesus is coming against is individualism. Not thinking about the whole community. It's self-sufficiency, which by golly, Americans, we are good at it. Ain't need nobody. Pull myself up by my bootstraps and I will get her done. Pride. Get ahead at any cost. That is what Christ is saying. Those who live in constant recognition of their need for God are blessed and will be blessed. Notice those contrasting words, church. We, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What in the world? In my thinking, those things don't equal happiness. Amen? But in the kingdom of God, things are upside down. 
When we are a people who recognize our spiritual poverty, when we are a people who weep and lament over sin and loss in life, when we are a people who have a healthy view of ourselves, the kingdom of heaven is ours, comfort is ours, the whole earth is ours. So there's a first category. Those who live in constant recognition of their need for God are and will be blessed. The second thing that I felt like came to the surface was this. Those who choose to walk the way of Jesus are and will be blessed. We're all like, yeah, I walk the way of Jesus. Let's contrast it. What, what is the other thing that Jesus is coming against when that's clear? Well, the way of culture, of power, of privilege. My favorite, this is my right. If those words come out of your mouth, it's probably not the way of Jesus talking. I earned this. Probably not the way of Jesus talking. Using others for personal gain. Those are the types of things Christ is coming up against. Those who choose to walk the way of Jesus. Man, let's throw it back to Easter. The humble king who came in riding on a donkey. They are and they will be blessed. So instead, when we, when we are desperate for what is right. When we show mercy to others because we have been shown mercy. When we have hearts that are pure and moral and and genuine following the way of Jesus. Then Jesus tells us satisfaction is ours, mercy is ours, and we will see God. Those who choose to walk walk the way of Jesus are and will be blessed. Then another thing that I think comes to the surface as we're looking at this from a bird's eye view is this. A crowd favorite. Those who endure persecution and fight for peace are and will be blessed. Ain't none of us want to sign up for that one. But let's contrast it. What is the reality that Jesus is coming up against in these? Perhaps straying away from the way of Jesus because it's too hard or too painful. Using anger to get what you want. Or feeling justified in said anger to get what you want. Othering, refusing reconciliation simply because the other party is wrong. Whoever that may be, I think about that in a marriage, right? Pastor Mark and I never fight, okay? But if we did, I can imagine that when he's wrong, and I also might be wrong, it would be difficult for me to apologize because I'd be like, "Mm -mm, you do it first. I am not apologizing because he was wrong too. Don't we, we'd like live in society like that. They're wrong, so I'm just going to sit over here and throw my pity party. No. 
not in the way of God's kingdom. The kingdom that is upside down. So instead, when we work at creating peace, reconciliation, hard, messy work. Church, the way of Jesus is messy, but it's worth it. When we're persecuted for the things of God, oh, the way of Jesus is messy, but it's worth it. When we're treated poorly because we follow the way of Jesus, oh, church, the way of Jesus is messy, but it's worth it. So here's Jesus coming in with these upside-down principles, and he's making all these good promises, like adoption is ours, we become children of God, the kingdom of heaven is ours, a reward in heaven is ours. But this is weird, right? Like, when you read this, some of this sounds like, do this, and you will get this. Or do this, and you will be hashtag blessed. But... I think the point that Jesus is making is contrasting the way of Jesus with the way of the world. Again, he's taking our cultural understanding and he's flopping it upside down on its head and saying, this now is your way because this is my Father's way. I told you we were going to reckon with that word blessed. I really think what Jesus might have been doing here was trying to redefine the word blessed. I read to you the Greek meaning. I think perhaps Jesus in this teaching was even going, there's a kingdom of heaven definition for the word blessed. Blessed by the worldly standard means your circumstances are good. You've got health, wealth, good fortune, luck, and happiness. But blessed by the kingdom of God's standard, I think becomes a reality through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, allowing us to embody the kingdom of God in the here and now. So I've created my own working definition of blessed. This may change as we journey together because we're approaching scripture humbly, right? But I think Jesus might have been establishing blessed to mean this. Following the way of Jesus by embodying the kingdom of God in the here and now. It's actually not a state of being blessed. It's actually an action. That as I follow the way of Jesus, embodying the kingdom of God in the here and now with all its difficulties, all its pleasures, all its hard stuff, all its persecution, all its fill in the blank, simply because I am following that way, my life is blessed as I do so with Jesus. So, really this is the most tangible way we follow King Jesus. Jesus came to earth as God embodied in human form. Jesus came to earth to show us the way to show us a countercultural way of living. And we now follow that way, living into this upside down way of the kingdom. 
And it's a way that church, man, when I do this, it helps them and not me. Yep. When I do this, I'm going to get nothing from it. Yep. And that's just the way of King Jesus. And that's what we've said yes to. Following the way of Jesus is straight up messy. But it's so worth it. Because church... I just believe that if people began to see the people of God following the way of Jesus in such a way where we really live like the first shall be last and the last shall be first, they would be like, what in the world happened to the church? We'd be like, man, because like, we finally let Jesus in. We finally made space. Being a Jesus community is messy, but it's worth it. This is just the beginning, my friends. I feel like this sermon leaves us on a cliffhanger. It'll feel like that a lot. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and prepare. I feel like there are some ways that God's Spirit might compel us to pray in these moments. Because even at myself, as I approach, I know what's coming in the sermon series. And I know I'm going to have to change. I'm going to know I'm going to have to be transformed to be faithful to God's word. Or I'm going to stand up here and be a straight liar. You know what I mean? And so I just hope you'll go on this journey with me. God's teaching through Christ his way that is different than anything else we could ever imagine. But it is the most beautiful picture of the kingdom of God manifested on earth. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's next? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Jesus told us to play, pray those words. Again, would he tell us to pray something that he did not intend to see through? And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are admitting that we believe the kingdom of God can come now through us. And you know, we are the answer to that prayer. The people of God following the way of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is the answer. That is how the kingdom of God comes to earth. We are the people that God deploys into the workplace to be the kingdom of God. We are the students that God sends into every school to be the kingdom of God. We are the people that God raises up a passion for politics who are in the political world, standing in the middle, saying, we can do this. That is how the prayer that Jesus prayed comes true. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Really what we're saying is, here I am. Transform me, send me. So, y'all know by now, I believe in these altars. I believe in moments of surrender and reorienting to the Lord. It's not magic, but for me, that body posture change is important. I wonder if you might join me in praying some bold, scary prayers this morning. How about this one? God, turn my life upside down, just like your kingdom is upside down. Give me new cultural lenses that I might see the culture that I am in in all the glory and splendor through which God himself sees our world. Prepare my heart to truly walk the way of Jesus. And church, may we be richly blessed as we aim to follow the way of Jesus, as a Jesus community embodying the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Are you in? I'm in. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Mark and his team is going to lead us in a song of reflection. I'm going to be down front, and I just invite you to come and pray, surrender to the Lord, this journey that we're about to go on. I'm also going to be available for anointing. So if you need healing of any kind, out of obedience to James chapter 5, verse 14, I invite you to just come. I'm going to stand right here. I would love to anoint you with oil and pray over you. Almighty God, we have heard your word. And we come underneath the beauty of it. And we say, help us live this upside down kingdom way. Help us to see like you do. Help us to think like you do. And God, in the midst of getting our toes stomped until they're black and blue, would you keep us hungry and humble for your transforming power? So God, before we run off to the next thing, here we are. Would you speak to us? In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray.